So this is the third in our Second Chance series where we are resharing episodes from the past. This features an episode where we challenge the idea of how useful just being positive really is. Now this episode is almost five years old. Um, A lot's changed in the last five years, but also some things very much haven't changed. At the time I said our podcast was being listened to in 35 countries, we're now in 100 countries, which is it just blows my mind. But I don't get excited anymore about download numbers. What I do get excited about is making sure that the most helpful parts of our message get to people where we can make a difference. And that's why I chose this subject. I think that even five years later, the influence of social media in particular is still significant in how it makes us feel about ourselves. The images and lifestyles that get promoted on social media still cause us, even now, to measure the gap between where we are and where we think we'd like to be. So I really like the bit in the episode where we address that from the perspective of a 12-year-old. Sometimes I look back at some of these episodes and I listen to the Steve in the field bits and I think, do I still feel the same today about those? If you're a new listener, the Steve in the field character was one I sort of created as like my foil, if you like, Um, someone that does the opposite of whatever the subject is I'm talking about in a very bumbling way. Anyway, I'll let you decide on this episode whether you think it was funny or not. Um, His part will certainly resonate with any Alan Partridge fans out there. And um, I'll be honest, I did giggle when I made it. Oh, we no longer have a separate website for the podcast because everything is on the SON development site now. So I'll check the show notes to ensure that the links in this reshare version send you to the right places because a lot of that stuff has changed in five years. Anyway, enough preamble. Dive in with me and listen again to episode 25. What's wrong with positive? We are told time and time again, focus on the wishes and they will come true. Hello and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 25. How are you? I'm really pleased that you could join us. I've been looking at who has been joining us and I can't believe how far and wide our listener base is. According to our stats, people are tuning in from 35 different countries. Now, I imagined or hoped that we'd get some interest, certainly in the UK, the US, and even in Europe. But I can't believe our audience includes people from places as diverse as the Philippines, Turkey, Vietnam, Israel. In fact, it looks like our third biggest audience is Japan. So, apologies if I get this wrong. I'm going to try. Konnichiwa, bonjour, hello, Chomribsur, hola, buna. I'll probably, I've probably mullered them. I'm just really, really glad you're listening, downloading, and hopefully enjoying our little podcast. Please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends. If you know someone who our podcast could help, why not grab their phone and show them how to subscribe? You never know, it might be really positive for them. And speaking of positive, that's exactly the subject for this episode. Where do you sit on the be positive spectrum? Are you a glass half full kind of person or a glass half empty one? Well, it could be 
that neither of those perspectives are actually helping you to get stuff done. So, why are we considering the problem with positive thinking? Surely if you think positively, you're more likely to achieve something. That's how I've always thought. In producing this podcast, I've been finding out more about how our brains work, and I'm beginning to question this idea that if you think hard enough about something, it influences the result. Let's start with the glass half full scenario. So we all know that's a cliched way of defining what kind of person you are. If you've got a pint glass with half a pint of water in it, if you see that glass as half empty, you're a pessimist because you're focusing on the half a pint of water that's not there. And if you see it as half full, you're an optimist because you're grateful that you've got half a pint of water. But there's a problem. The problem, as I see it, is the glass. If the amount of water is what you're considering, then whether it's in a half pint glass, a pint glass, or a gallon bucket, it's still half a pint of water. If you want to make a cup of tea for two people, then half a pint of water might be all you need. If you're making an espresso for yourself, it might be too much. Do you see what I mean? We're missing the point if we're focusing on the glass. What's important is how much water do I need for a thing and how much have I got? Now you might say, Steve, you're being too literal, this is a metaphor. And you are right, but we do actually use this model all the time. And it troubles me that it could negatively influence what we do. Let me tell you a story. In our house, we did one of those surveys the other day. One of these things that tell you where in the world you feature in terms of income. And I was doing it to show our kids how lucky they are to be in our world instead of living in real hardship. Give it a try. Obviously, I'll put a link in the show notes. So then I asked our kids if 1% was literally the poorest person in the world and 100% was the richest, where do you think we'd feature? And one of them said 30%. So I asked him, do you mean the 30% in the bottom or the top? And he genuinely meant the bottom. And when we asked him why, his response was, well, there's loads of people in the world who are richer than we are. And in his world, that's the truth. In a 12-year-old's world of Instagram and social media, all he sees is how everyone else is living the high life, rolling in money, driving amazing cars and so on. And it's the same for us, because on social media, you only see the great things that people want us to see. It's easy to genuinely believe that you're the only person in the world who has the problems that you have. You know it's not true, but it's hard to think differently when you're faced with it. Everyone else's amazing lifestyle is equivalent to a great big glass that we can only just about fill the bottom of. Common wisdom says that if you picture the thing you want really, really hard, it'll help you get it. And I do that all the time. But I also own things that I haven't pictured. And I've achieved things in my life that I've done no work for whatsoever. Being an optimist and thinking positively are subtly different. I see healthy optimism as being able to focus on what you have got and be grateful for it, so I've got half a pint of water. Whereas positive thinking infers that by thinking in a particular way, you can influence the outcome. A bit like, if I focus on the bit of the glass that hasn't got water in it, this will help me fill it. And this is where I'm struggling. Intuitively, I know that I've achieved things in my life, and prior to achieving those things, I gave my positive attitude a recharge and a boost, and I focused on a really clear image of the outcome I want, and I achieved it. I took my motorcycle test many years ago. I did one of these direct access things. I'd been driving a car for, for a long time beforehand, but I decided I want to learn how to ride a motorbike, 
So I did a one-week direct intensive um, training course, and at the end of it, you do your test. And I went into test day playing stirring music in the car on the way there to get my blood up. I pictured a smiling examiner as he confirmed that I was the greatest motorcyclist in the world since Barry Sheen, and I headed into the test centre full of confidence and failed. On the second time I took the test, I thought I obviously hadn't been positive enough, so I did the same thing and failed again. The third time, I gave up doing the positive attitude thing because I figured I was probably just going to waste the examiner's time again. I was feeling a bit dejected. I kind of went through the motions and I passed. Now, I was the same person with the same skills and the same knowledge each time. But surely, if I had the skills and knowledge on board on the first test already, then a positive attitude should have guaranteed a pass. So for this episode, I started looking around at what research and information was out there to help me learn more. I want to have a look at that in a second. But first, I'm sorry to tell you that it's time to see what Steve in the field has to say. Hi Steve, well I'm here at Goodwood Racecourse and I've decided to put £200 to win on a horse called Thatcher's Homeopathic Website. It's at 15 to 1 and I'm going to see if I can will it to win just by being positive. Okay and they're off and it's looking good. Obviously no point sending my positive brainwaves too early. I don't want it to peak too soon. It's running nicely. It's looking strong. It's third at the moment behind Acid Reflux and Alderniti's Armchair Warzone. Come on, Thatcher. Come on, Thatcher. It's moved into second. Right, here we go. Come on, Thatcher. You can do it. I'm sending my positive vibes. Faster, faster. I'm imagining you winning. I can see you smiling as you rush past the post. Nearly there. Oh my God, he's doing it. He's going to win. He's out in front. There's only 200 yards to go. I don't even need to think him there anymore. What? Why has he stopped? He's being passed by them all now. Thatcher's homeopathic website is just standing there eating the grass. His jockey's even got off. The other horses are all coming in. Oh, I've lost my money. Oh, hang on. I know what happened. I stopped thinking positively because I didn't need to anymore. Yeah, that's it. The minute I stopped thinking positively and believing, he stops running. And there's your proof, Steve, in the studio. Positive thinking does work, but only when you do it all the time and it doesn't apply to situations where you didn't do it anymore. Conclusive proof, over to you. Excuse me, can I borrow a fiver please for the bus home? Great stuff, Steve, in the field. Always rely on you to get us into a muddle. So, as I was saying, I've had a look at some resource that supports this idea of questioning positive thinking. I found an article in the Washington Post where I'm doing that thing again where I'm laughing into the microphone because I've recorded this sentence about four times and I can't get it out. I found an article in the Washington Post where they've interviewed Harvard professor Susan David. In the interview, David says, People will just say things like, just be positive and things will be fine. The tyranny of positivity was what a friend of mine called it. She recently died of cancer. And what she meant was, if being in remission was just a matter of positive thinking then all of her friends in her breast cancer support group would be alive today. The article goes on to talk about people who failed to give up smoking by just trying to change their thoughts on it, and people focusing on becoming more happy actually becoming less happy over time. It talks about facing up to the emotions, not just deciding that you can think positive and all the negative stuff will go away, but rather dealing with all the emotions as they come and how to develop emotional agility. It's a good article, worth a read. Um, Obviously, I'll put it in the notes. 
One of the podcasts I listen to regularly is Hidden Brain from NPR. In May last year, they did an episode about this very subject. Here's the intro. This is Hidden Brain. I'm Shankar Vedantam. There's so much in our popular culture about the power of positive thinking. We're often told to follow our hearts, to dream big. You can have, do, or be anything you want. Whatever belief you hold in your subconscious mind will become your reality. Bottom line. Value yourself and believe in yourself. Because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path. But now, researcher Gabrielle Edian says, maybe we should all dream a little smaller. Positive fantasies and daydreams, as pleasurable they are, they have a problem when it comes to fulfilling our wishes and attaining our goals. Gabrielle is a professor at New York University and author of the book Rethinking Positive Thinking, Inside the New Science of Motivation. She's from Germany, and she said growing up, no one told her to shoot for the stars. I love that podcast, and I recommend listening to it. As always, I'll post the details. Now, there are some interesting YouTube videos by this psychologist on her subject. Here's a snip from one. Now, in daily life, at every turn, and all, very often from early childhood on, you hear one message. Think positive. Be optimistic. Kind of get rid of this negative self-talk. And then you will fulfill your wishes. And whether it's pop music or political speeches or whether it's commercials, the general message is the same. Look at the bright side. Be optimistic. Focus on your dreams. And whether it is that we want to snag a promotion in our work, or that we want to lose a couple of pounds, or that we want to run the marathon. We are told time and time again, focus on the wishes and they will come true. In a 2014 New York Times article, Gabrielle published some stuff questioning this idea. The article doesn't just question it, but it goes further and suggests positive thinking actually hinders us. It refers to a study of women enrolled in a weight reduction program who were asked to imagine a future of how they'd fare. And each time they were asked to rate how positive or negative these thoughts and images were. And then, one year later, they reviewed the results. The more positively the women had imagined themselves in these scenarios, the fewer pounds they'd lost. The article goes on to ask why, and it suggests that dreaming about the future calms you down It measurably reduces your systolic blood pressure, but it can drain you of the energy that you need to actually take the action that you need to achieve the goals. The thought of success fools your mind into feeling like you've already achieved it, and it has a reverse effect on your ability to then go and do it. But if this is the problem, in the next section, we'll have a look at what the alternatives are and how we can influence the outcomes. Okay, so common sense says that you can't just achieve something by thinking about it or wishing for it. But the idea that I find sticky, the one that I'm finding harder to get away from, surely there's no harm in picturing an outcome that you want. It must galvanise your system into getting it. 
Well, some research is saying this isn't necessarily the case. So what's the alternative? What's a better way to think? Well, it looks like a balanced or blended approach is more helpful. In a piece on cognitive behaviour therapy in Psychology Today, Joel Minden says, a better bet is to practice replacing negative beliefs with ideas that are more accurate and useful. For example, when you catch yourself thinking in unreasonable ways, begin to assess accuracy. Some questions to ask yourself are, what's the evidence to support this belief? Is there any evidence to reject it? Is there a more accurate way to think about this situation? Next, consider the usefulness of the belief and whether it would benefit you to change it. Some questions to ask yourself are, what's the likely effect of thinking this way? How does it affect my emotions, my behaviour? What would happen if I change my belief? This theme then of considering a more realistic or blended approach is covered by Professor Oettingen. So shall we dismiss positive thinking altogether? No, we shouldn't. Actually, our research also finds that positive thinking is very helpful when we want to sketch out the possibilities we have in our future. So to explore the possibilities in the future, we need the positive fantasies, we need the positive dreams. And actually, they are also helpful to implement these possibilities if we combine them with a good sense of reality. If we combine them with exactly that reality we are taught to ignore, to diminish. And once we combine this positive thinking with the reality that stands in the way of, this posit of realizing the, the positive dreams, then mental associations are formed that help us actually achieve behavior change. And we looked at a process which we call WHOOP, which is we formulate a wish, we imagine the outcome, positive thinking, and then we juxtapose the obstacle that stands in the way of achieving that dream, and then we devise a plan to overcome that obstacle, a simple if-then plan. So, Professor Oettingen, I really hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. She referred to something called WHOOP, W-O-O-P. The W stands for thinking about the wish. The first O is defining the best outcome and thinking about that really clearly. The second O is identifying the obstacle and also thinking about that really clearly. And then the P is make a plan. So define the action in an if-then way. If I did this, then that would be the outcome. And that sounds balanced. It sounds like it would make sense. In her book, Rethinking Positive Thinking, there's more detail on the research, the ideas, and how to apply this WHOOP model. And obviously, I'll publish a link to the book in the show notes. So, what have we learned? We've discovered that just thinking positively is perhaps not all it's cracked up to be. Arguably, just being positive can mean that you're not seeing reality and you're just being oblivious. We've discovered that there's a place for positive thinking as part of a balanced way of operating. And I'm pleased that we've discovered that we shouldn't just discard the idea of positive thinking. I'd feel really uncomfortable changing my values that much. But the idea of rethinking how we look at things positively is a healthy and sensible one to consider. We've also learned that if you think you can influence a horse race just by willing it, then you've perhaps got a bit more to learn about how your brain forms patterns and beliefs than you might like to think you have. But then we all have, haven't we? After all, I thought playing loud music 
and visualising an outcome would help me pass my bike test. And maybe if I'd spent a bit more time focusing on what I was actually doing, I wouldn't have taken three attempts to pass it. We really hope that you've enjoyed this reshare. Whether you caught the episode first time around, or if you're a new listener, have a look at the show notes where we've got links to the resource that we've talked about and other bits of information to help you if you want to learn more. For other subjects that you might find interesting, we've got a huge back catalogue. There's over 80 episodes now covering all sorts of topics to help you get better. Some of the technology may have changed in the past five years, but I think the fundamental ideas can still help you. If you want to do that, just search in your podcast player for the word sharp podcast, one word, two Ps. Finally, we'd love you to share the podcast with your friends or colleagues or give us a fab review on your podcast app. That's it. Until next time, don't forget, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person worth comparing yourself to is the person that you were yesterday. See you later. Mickey Doolan here at uh, Marple. Ah, raining. <laughs>